All right, so, <coughs> so this morning, um, we plan, I plan to, to, to give you a, a, a snapshot of the whole Bible in five acts. Um, now, it might seem a little bit ridiculous to, to um, share the whole Bible in, um, in five acts, um, in one message, but then, on the other hand, we always uh, take a look at the whole Bible on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, and, and this is where we, we look at this idea of, of uh, zooming in and zooming out that I'll, I'll come back to through this message. Um, so normally, on a, on a Sunday morning, we, we zoom in to a particular passage as um, you know, Drew did uh, the last uh, few weeks um, from the book of First John, or um, last week from a psalm, or, or the week before that um, in, in Genesis. We zoom into a particular story and we look at the characters and, and what's going on in their lives, but then always we also zoom out to see how that story is a part of the whole. And, and so this morning, we're j I'm just gonna do things a little bit in, in reverse and, and hopefully um, this will be meaningful for you because um, we're gonna zoom out and take a look at the whole Bible and, um, and, and look at it as a whole. Um, the, the narrative of scripture is, is such an important thing in our lives, and I hope that, uh, that as, we, as we zoom out, we can see how we, in, in our place, in the here and now, um, can, um, can really see God at work and how uh, we are part of that story in, in our relationship with him. And so uh, with that, I'm gonna open with some questions. Um, and so these questions will be on the, on the screen for you as, as we go through them. And I want you to be thinking about them um, as I share this morning. And then uh, these are the questions that will be on your screen at the end uh, when we uh, have some time to either meditate on your own or if you're together with others or on social media, you can discuss them uh, together with, with others. So um, these questions, uh, are, are this, uh, during this strange and uncertain time, how can we love one another? How can we encourage one another? How can we uh, check up on one another? Uh, and, and how can we do these things to fo foster healthy community with Christ at the center? Again, during this strange and uncertain time, how can we seek God ourselves? How can we experience the peace, joy, love, and hope that he has for us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus? How can we study the word of God to see how he has walked together with his people throughout history and to see our story as a part of the whole? And finally, during this strange and uncertain time, how can we fulfill the great commission that God has for us? Right? So, so the Bible tells us a story of God's relationship with his people. I would say that the Bible seeks to answer hard questions about why we're here, what our purpose is, and why there's pain and suffering in the world. It also answers questions about, um, or who, who, more precisely, is the solution to these hard questions and, and the, the problems that, that we see in life. In the following passage from Acts, we see Paul summarize the main ideas of the Bible to some Athenians in just a few paragraphs. 
And so just to, to see that what I'm doing this morning is not quite so ridiculous, I'm trying to, to preach the whole Bible in, in, a, in 20 minutes on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, we see Paul preach the, the main message of the Bible to these Athenians in just a few paragraphs. We also see it in, in Acts chapter 7, where Stephen speaks in front of the Sanhedrin, and in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, the heroes of the faith passage. And, and then also in, in the book of Psalms, we see a number of times when the um, Israelites would have sang songs that, that bring up um, some of the, the key figures in the history of the nation of Israel. And so I do want you to be uh, considering that as we do this with the Bible as a, as a whole, we can always uh, zoom in to look at people's lives, the lives of peasants and of priests and of kings, and learn from their lives. It's not as though they always made good decisions and they were always uh, you know, close with, with God, um, but we can learn from them and, uh, and the story that uh, God has for us in, in, the, in the scriptures. And so Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 31. Says Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he, does, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So in this passage, we see Paul give us this picture of God's creation of heaven and earth, of the, the fall, our need for God, of how he stepped into the, the world in Jesus Christ and conquered death to bring renewal to all creation. And so we start with Act 1, creation. This is the story that begins with God as the creator of the universe. 
It is an expression of love. God created out of love. God shows us his love by providing everything people need in the garden. People show their love to God by trusting him for their provision. In this story, people live in harmony with the land, in the garden, with one another, and with God. And since we have been created by God in his image, it's so important that we love others. For they are image bearers of God. Just like you, other people are God's special workmanship, God's masterpieces. But of course, that doesn't last long. People quickly turn away. And we, people, uh, all of creation, experience the fall. Right? So people lived lives trusting him as their provider, but then they turn away. They started to reject God's provision, and they trusted their work instead of his work. As a result of turning away from God, God allows those people to endure the consequences of their choices. The Bible says that even things like earthquakes and pandemics, hurricanes and other disasters, are ultimately a result of, of human uh, choices to reject God. Now, I, I can't pretend to, to understand how all that works, and um, there's a lot of different opinions uh, theologically on, on how that works. But I do trust in what the, what the Bible says, and I trust that, these, that the consequences of people's choices are painful. And so when people's choices become too painful. We see throughout history that choices that lead to, to war, to, to suffering, to conflict, to violence, to poverty, that throughout history, God has stepped in and saved people. The whole Old Testament, what uh, the Jewish people would call the, the Torah and the prophets, the law and the prophets, is a story that cycles through a narrative where people turn away from God. They suffer consequences uh, of their choices. And then, as perhaps a result of those, those, uh, the, the suffering they feel as in those consequences, they, they realize they need God. They turn back to God. God reminds them that he loves them and that he will protect them if they turn back to him. And God gives them grace when they turn back. This happens over and over. And the Bible uses individual stories of such a, a wide variety of people um, to, to tell us this story over and over again. So the cycle looks, looks something like this. This is just a rut, rough uh, PowerPoint sketch. Um, but, but I see in this uh, a story that you can zoom into, maybe even in my last week of, of life, <laughs> Um, but also in my, my life as a Christian, my, my life as a whole, my, uh, my family, my, and, then, and then we look at, look at our church or we look at the story of um, God's people, right? So, so whether we're, we're zoomed in um, or, or we step back and, and zoom out, we, we can see a, a cycle like this happening over and over again in Scripture. 
Now, in one of the, the periods when the people uh, were largely turned away from God, the Roman Empire starts to rule over the area we now call Israel and Palestine, and some people are turning back to God, but, but not very many of them. And it's, and it's in this environment that people remember one of God's promises in the Bible. Part of the story is that God promises that someday he will provide a savior, someone who will come and save his people. The Hebrew word for savior is, is Messiah, and the Greek word is Christ. And uh, now most people thought that this promise would be fulfilled in a military king who would overthrow Roman rule. And um, it would be somebody like a King David who, who slew Goliath a thousand years earlier. But instead, what we have is, is Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, now why, why Jesus? Now, instead of solving the problem of who is ruling over Judea, the Bible teaches us that Jesus comes to solve the problem of the human condition, of, of the universe. Jesus comes to start the process of undoing all the bad choices people have ever made. He starts that, prom- that, that process, the Bible teaches, by defeating death, by coming alive again on the third day that the final victory belongs to him, the Lord of heaven and earth. So let's, let's look at uh, Jesus' life a little more closely, right? So this is a guy that's, he's born in a stable, in a, in, a, in a feeding trough. And then Jesus grows up and, and he starts his ministry by, by quoting um, from Isaiah 61. It records it in Luke uh, chapter 4 verses 18 and 19, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So after he starts his ministry with this uh, proclamation from, from Isaiah, um, and, he, and he ends by saying, today, this is the, the reading of this word is fulfilled. He calls his 12 disciples. And we see in Jesus' ministry examples of his sermons, his teaching, his, his miracles, his relationships with friends, with loved ones, and his prayers. And in each case, we can zoom in to understand more about God and his relationship with his people. And then also in each of these stories, we can, we can step back, we can zoom out, and we can see God's hand lovingly working through his son in the bigger picture of history. Now, the people around Jesus often called him rabbi, which means teacher. He taught both in what he said and in how he lived. He taught by telling stories and and metaphors called parables. And sometimes he taught quite directly. And in each of these, it's important to consider this this idea of of zooming in and zooming out, right? If we we look at the the story of the prodigal son and the the lost sheep and the lost coin, and we created a whole religion just around those, those three, we would really get a sense for God's love and his forgiveness and the passion he has to, to draw people to himself. 
but we might also lose a sense of, of some of his other attributes. And so it's important to, to step back and look at the bigger picture. And, and so let's take a look at, at what he, he did teach and what are some of the key ideas of, from his teachings. So some of the, the big ideas of, of Jesus' teachings are that you were created by God for a purpose. That your identity is in God as the one who created you. So you don't have to worry about the small stuff in this life. That you can enjoy what God has given you and use it to be a blessing to others. That it doesn't matter what you've done or who you are, God still loves you and you can still turn back to him. The kingdom of God is something we can experience here and now by acknowledging that we mess things up and we need God's help. That we can experience God's kingdom when we love our neighbor, when we forgive other people for anything they do, and we put God at the center of our lives. Jesus teaches us not to be religious hypocrites, who try to show the world that we're holy, while on the inside, we're really proud and we think that we don't need God's help. Jesus has come to free people from our own shame, our guilt, and our pain, and to show us a better way to live. And finally, that you can trust God, for he has won the final victory. Now, this is not all that Jesus taught. Um, and before I get too carried away about talking about the, the final victory, um, let's, let's talk about Act 4. Because of what Jesus taught, he then commissioned us. He said, go. Okay, so we get this sense that in Act 4, um, there's this commission, this, this desire that Jesus has for us to go into the world um, And so in Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 16 to 20, he says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, so the believers, so Jesus uh, dies and he gives them and he, and he rises from the dead. He conquers death and uh, he gives them this commission and then he ascends into heaven. And the believers um, at Pentecost receive the Holy Spirit and they are sent out. So for three years, these 12 men follow Jesus around and they listen to his teachings. They watch him perform miracles and all the while, they think that he's going to overthrow the, the Roman Empire, or at least the Roman rule in Judea. So, so after he died, and then even after he appeared and left, the Bible says he went to heaven and he, and he left us here. And there were certainly some of his disciples, some of his followers, who were like, you know, what's, what's next? And the, the Holy Spirit uh, inspires them, and, and they, they reflect, and they say, wait, we're, we're part of this bigger story here. 
And it, and it says that the reason he left us here is so that we can tell more people about his love and forgiveness so that they might uh, love him too. So the Bible tells us the beginning of the story about how Jesus' followers ran, went around for the next 70 years or so. There are loads of people um, who follow him and learn about Jesus' life. And as they're working things out, the Bible gives us some guidelines to follow if someone is to, to be a Christian. It is clear through the book of Acts and through the letters of the New Testament that in this life, we will continue to experience uh, the consequences of the fall. That there is still sin and pain and suffering in the world. In fact, we're, we're promised that in this life, we will experience suffering. The Bible gives us a clear picture as to why that is. But in Christ, we as believers can have hope in who is our salvation. So the early church, these, these first group of people that, that lived um, with faith in Christ, what the, the Bible tells us a little bit about what their lives look like, right? They, these people lived radically different lives from those around them. And the many people, uh, and many people died gruesome deaths because they refused to deny their belief in Jesus. The people who believed Jesus went on to change the morals of civilization and revolutionize how people care for the poor and marginalized in society. And that brings us to this, uh, this last act of renewal. Because there is still pain and suffering in the world, there is hope that in Christ we have a, a new heavens and a new earth. We have renewal. The book of Revelation and other passages about the end times tell us about God having the final victory over sin and death. And they tell us about how in Jesus all things are made new. That because of the life that Jesus lived on earth and the death that he died and that he came back to life, that all things will be made new in the end times. It tells us that God is working all things together for good. That's not to say that, that we're already uh, that these things were already solved now. For now we're in a time some would call the already, uh, but not yet. It's just that eventually, the Bible teaches, that those who believe should have hope that things will work out and be perfect and beautiful beyond our wildest imagination. So going back to this cycle that I, I, uh, I posted um, earlier, um, I have some, some questions that hopefully you'll, you'll be able to consider as you, as you pray, as you consider uh, your, your own prayer life. Um, where are you in this cycle? Right, right, right now, maybe you're experiencing harmony and, and peace. Maybe you've you know, forgotten God and turned away. Maybe some of your choices have, have brought pain into your life um, as you've rejected God. Maybe you're in a place where recently you've remembered God and you've repented, you've turned to him. Maybe you're experiencing God's forgiveness right now afresh. Or maybe, once again, you're, you're in that place of, of harmony and peace. And I wonder, where are we as a church community, as a, as a fellowship of people who 
are seeking God together in relationship. Uh, where are we as a church community? Are we feeling a bit more distant or, or close to God right now? And, and it's important to remember that, that maybe no single category um, sums you up, but instead you find yourself in, in different places all at the same time. And then finally, how can the different stories in the Bible, the different experiencing of all the people we meet, the different, the different characters, uh, different people that we meet through the scripture, how do they speak to us where we are in our situation right now? This is something to consider in your own uh, prayer time as you um, study the, the scriptures together. And now... Um, Eleazar is going to, to lead us in a time of, of uh, um, with, a, with a song, an instrumental song. Um, I'm going to leave these questions up and uh, as you either meditate over these questions or as you um, discuss them with your small group, um, I'd encourage you to, to really prayerfully consider what this means. And, and as I go through these questions one last time, I want you to know that I don't have the, the answers these questions. I think it's complex. And um, so, so as, we, as we seek God together, I want us to really consider during this strange and uncertain time, how can we love one another, encourage one another, and check up on one another to foster healthy community with Christ at the center? How can we seek God ourselves so that we can experience the peace, joy, love, and hope that he has for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? How can we study the word of God to see that he has walked together with his people throughout history and see that our story is part of the whole? And finally, um, in this strange and uncertain time, how can we fulfill the great commission to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure what that looks like in a time of sort of quarantine. Um, but I pray that God would be with you as you seek that together uh, with those around you. Um, and Eliezer leads us in music. Thank you.